0: Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Ovicast, the Chagas Sheep Podcast. Each episode we bring you latest insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. With the lambing season well underway, our focus in this episode turns to the subject of lamb mortality and ways to reduce it. I'm joined by Duane Shields, who during the course of his PhD studies has examined the timing and causes of perinatal lamb mortality, as well as conducted some on-farm surveys on the common practices that can improve lamb survival. We start off with Dwayne discussing the timing and cause, main causes of lamb mortality, and he delves into how some of these are preventable and which ones aren't, highlighting the importance of correct diagnosis where problems occur. We move on in to discuss the importance of good hygiene in the lamb shed as well as treating lambs' navel soon after birth. With Dwayne outlining non farm practices, highlighting the study and how some of these could be improved. We discuss colostrum management and use of alternatives, and ultimately the role nutrition has on lamb mortality. Finally, we finish up with Duane encouraging farmers to take an accurate assessment of flour mortality and its potential causes on their own farms and use this information as an opportunity to identify and address some of these potential
1: problems. The scanning, we can't change what's in them at the minute, but we're looking to what we have, what we've come in, we're looking to make the most of them and keep as many of them alive as possible. And I suppose we're going to go through, but I'm going to go through a bit maybe on attention to detail and Small things that we can change on, far, on our own farms to reduce the, the risk of this and, I suppose, prevent the ones that are potentially preventable. So there's going to be a cause of mortality. Everyone's going to have everyone's going to have mortality that we can't prevent, but there's some causes that are potentially preventable. And that really is the, the thing of it, it. It's the small,
0: it's the attention details, the little bits on hygiene or nutrition that can have a big impact. As you said it already, like the crop is the crop. It's a case of trying to maximise survival now of... Well, we have it. That, that's it,
1: Kieran. That's it, and uh, I suppose getting getting in there. Small things that you just mentioned nutrition and, and your uh infection or your your hygiene managers. So, small little tips on them, different things that people are probably doing, maybe just uh looking at different methods and uh ways of changing that. And I suppose we could be doing most of it right already, it's just that final little we could be doing 80% of it, right? It's just the final 20% that we're looking it's, to, it's, it's to it's maximize re- on now. And it. It's tweaks in the system. Look at it. It's what we're talking about simple detail, but
0: you put a lot of time and effort into looking at this subject in more detail over the last couple of years for your PhD in terms of the causes of mortality, the timing of it, and issues around some of the management practices on farms. So Maybe just doing to set the scene, like in terms of mortality and when it occurs and the kind of levels we see, you did a detailed study over a number of years in right, looking at that and various aspects of it. You might just give some of the key highlights from
1: that. Hi, so uh, we've done a two-year lamb mortality study uh, across the three flocks in Athenry. Uh All the dead lambs that died were sent for post-mortem to the regional veterinary lab, so it was in collaboration with them. Uh, we looked at when did the mortality occur and what are the main causes of it, and uh, supposed to identify places then that we could reduce mortality, we can find out w- when it happened and why it happened. And then by knowing this, we'll be able to suppose, identify the risks and, wh- and where it can be reduced. So the when it happened first, uh, looking at the neonatal mortality, we've seen that 51.5% occurred before birth. So over half the lambs that died were dead before they hit the ground at all. And uh, 21.5% on the first day with the remainder, 27%, then from day two to seven. So in other words, as I said over half of them were dead before they hit the ground at all. And uh, three quarters in the first twenty-four hours. So that's the main the main time frame. That's where the biggest gain can be made and the biggest opportunity is to reduce lamb mortality, is focusing on this at birth and, and the first 24 hours.
0: That that first 24 hour period and look at and that birth probably comes into that. There's probably two aspects of that. So the lambs are born dead for various reasons, and then there's the ones that you know just don't survive. To break that down a little bit further, like the causes of that mortality during that period, and we'll touch again on the ones that died subsequently, they're obviously ones even after the the way he died, but them first few that passed, what were the main causes of mortality in them lambs?
1: So we broke down the causes of them then. We, uh, we had specific cause and a category cause. We broke them into six main category causes, uh, I'll just run through them quickly. So we had 8% of the lambs died due to accidents, 3% to congenital defects, 15% to dystopia, 38% due to infection, so that was the main cause of lamb mortality, 7% died due to other causes, so your things like your uh, starvation and hypothermia, as maybe lambs born st- uh, stillbirth and more they able to eat up, uh, things like this. And then there's 29% of the causes that we couldn't make a diagnosis. So these lambs were sent off there were fresh, maybe stillborn lambs, and the, the region of veterinary labs, they couldn't come with a specific cause of death. They couldn't identify a specific cause of death. So these were the diagnosis not reached. But for the causes that we could identify, your infection was the main cause at 38%, and your dystochias or your difficult lambs, your lambs that were too big, born 15%. So them two causes together accounted for over half the neonatal mortality. So them two causes together accord, accounted for over half the lambs that died.
0: And there are two causes really that your yeah, management and your attention detail can have a big impact on. So that's half the lambs we lose. Just before we move off it, like it's important to note there, that diagnosis not reached. I tore the lambs to go into the and these ones, good, fresh samples. It's just, it's one of them things you have to be conscious of, that not all lambs are going to your region veterinary lab you get a result for. And that's just the law of averages
1: on it. That's it. That's it. I mean, they'll do all the tests, they'll do their PCRs, they'll do their uh, test on they'll check every lamb and as much detail as possible. But unless they can give you a, a specific cause and a cause that they can be sure of, they're not going to give you one that on a guess. And uh, I suppose that's only natural that they're they're going to it, look, look at on, that. There
0: it highlights the need for follow-up work and getting plenty of samples in in the advent of an outbreak or an abortion or something on the farm. It, it really highlights the yeah. need to keep going with samples.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: If look if, if we moved the other two like that infection. Right, so that was at birth. Um I know you broke it down a little bit more afterwards in terms of the timing
1: of when these
0: different categories actually had an impact on land mortality.
1: Exactly. So, for the infection one, there, uh, we can see that 38% of them died due to infection. We split that down into then when the infection, infection occurred. So, uh, 45% of the lambs, so if the lambs that died due to infection, 45% of them were dead at or before birth. So this infection took in things such as your abortion agent, your toxin, your endotic abortion, maybe your coli uh, death, your death due to your coli. So whether that be that you was prolapsing or maybe infection going through the back passage, or or uh, she went or had a coli infection inside. But then on day one, there's a big drop in infection. So it can be clearly seen then that only nine percent of them then died in day one. But during this day one, due to hygiene reasons infection was taken in again, whether that be orally through sucking dirty teats or through navels, by maybe the lack of application or an adequate application of iodine and maybe poor colostrum management. This infection was straight back up again to another 45% of them died from day 2 to 7 due to infection. So we can see that infection had either occurred at birth, there was a big drop in day 1 and then it started occurring again, we started seeing it again day 2 to 7. So these lambs that were born alive Picked up the infection day one, started dying and then su- subsequently from day
0: two to seven. So like they, look, they're picking up the infection in the environment, either the lambing pins or dairies to lamb in. At that stage, exactly. it, it, Yeah, so it, it, it's another management issue we can deal with. I suppose the first part of that, doing the ones that are born dead, that infection cause, that's more looking at the long-term planning in terms of vaccination and it really highlights the need again to follow up work on samples, which you always look at, why is, why is this abortion occurring? Why are these dams being born dead?
1: That's it. Uh, I think that maybe this, this abortion may be largely underestimated and I suppose everyone's going to have their abortions that, due to hurts and that around this time of the year and everyone's going to have an odd one that's going to throw the lambs before lambing now but if you start having any worries at all it's, it can be detrimental like if missed it's very important, it's a serious important to get these tested and the only way you're going to know if you have a problem is if you send these away for testing whether it be a blood sample from the yo get your get a blood sample or send your dead fetus, and the the cleaning or the placenta has to be sent along with it, if if at all possible. A lot of the sampling is done on the placenta for these abortions, so it's, as you said, long-term planning. So these vaccines will have to be given prior to breeding, so it's time to to introduce them now or to identify the problem now. If we don't know what's causing it, we're not going to be able to take action again come breeding time. We'll not be able to stop the mortality now due to them. But uh, it's, it's long-term goals, it's long-term plan to get uh, these vaccination programs in place
0: if required. Yeah, look, you're, you're planning again for next year on that one. But like it's interesting that infection one, it's, um, it's one of the big causes of it overall. But the fact that you see that occurrence again in that mortality from day one onwards, is the biggest factor causing mortality subsequently in days two to seven as well in your study. So, it is, so again, like hygiene is really one of them key things we have to focus on at the moment. Just before we move off a completely the accidental ones, the congenital defects, I suppose with the accidental ones, Dwayne, if it's too high, you need to look at you know, so, some small issues in lambing pins and the laminaries and otherwise. So why is that occurring?
1: That's it. So that's, it. that's your, the like your ewes lying in lambs and uh, maybe lambs getting hung with lamb pens and things like that. Just to de- if, if it is getting high there, maybe you're, you're looking at your lamb pen design, as you said there, the space for you and her lamb or pair of lambs. And then the group pens again—that that, that you are removing any hazards from it—and uh, I suppose removing that risk then. And no. your congenital defects again. There's not much you're going to be able to do with that. It's a it's a thing that unfortunately it's one of those things that occurs. And and it's not like the other two that we spoke about—the the, the infection. Both of them we can implement thing implement management practices there to reduce them. And uh, I suppose that's where we should focus mostly on on reducing our land mortality.
0: Look, if, if we go to the ones that we can do, someone like the infection one, it's obviously something to do it. And you spoke there about the ones that are born dead, and that's a more long term plan and strategy. So we'll probably follow up with it again on after lambing. But in terms of reducing that infection in newborn lambs, so the mortality you've seen from birth to up to a week of age, what are the key things we can do to reduce that infection? Like if we just broadly throw out a couple of key areas we need to focus on.
1: So I suppose if we look at the, the back of the story, we look at the uh, infection again, and we'll focus, of course, mainly on uh, infection in the stokia. So an infection, well, we will start off on the large pen where the ewes lambing down And I mean, we lamb them down, everyone talks about these individual lamb pens, getting them clean, getting hygiene right there. It's a large pen first. Uh, a good practice, to take the yose out of them, apply your hydrated lime uh, maybe a week before lambing. Keep a good clean bed of straw under them that the yoke's lambing down in this. That if she's in a dirty pen for the week before that, the first mouthful that lamb's going to get is going to be sucking in that teat. The yoke's going to have faces are dung in these teats. The first mouthful that lamb's going to get is into an empty stomach, it's going to be bacteria straight away. So if we could keep these lambing pen, the the root pens that she's lambing down into, clean to start off with, and then suppose moving her onto the end of, uh, we can see from the other part of the study there that most 75% or three quarters of the flocks that we, we surveyed were lambing indoors and uh, off them, 85% of them were, were lambing on straw. So while slats are getting more common and probably will be getting more common and not to, not to mess on them like you're uh, washing them a week before, power washing them a week before lambing, it's good practice. But to focus on the straw first, uh, the clean the clean pen for them yos to lamb down on, and and a good bed of straw for them lambs for the navel, the first contact for their navel to land on. It's not we're not realistically we're not going to be there for every yo lamb, no. and we're not going to be there to lift, as soon as they drop out to lift them into a clean pen. So it's important to have that group lamb pen clean first, and uh, keep the keep the yos, the the face the fleece herself herself if she's lambing a lying in dirty pen before the lamb latches onto the titties more than likely going to suck and wool up along it. Socking at dirty teeth. So getting that group pen clean first and then on into your
0: individual pen then. So if- Well like, you're your points on that group pen right? because the first environment they're going to hit, as you said, they're not going to be there for them all. But that straw the one generally sheep will tend the lamb in the same areas in the pens. So even if it's the last thing at night if you're not if you're not gonna be back till any more and checking them, just making sure they're dry and clean. And that's like that's I know straw can be dear in places, but it's the one time a year where it's cheap in terms of the protection it gives.
1: That's it. That's it. Uh, yeah. And and the uh, the yourself up to lamb and I mean if she's a, a side fleece or a fleece that's covered right. and doing that that's gonna be the first thing the lamb's gonna suck on. Everybody's really looking for the teeth to start with, and and that's straight into uh, uh, an empty stomach. There, that that bacteria is going to go straight in. Uh, and look, so
0: you you mentioned already like the other part of your PhD study, you did a lot of silver work on practices at farm level. Like in terms of the individual pens, Dwayne, that's the other one we kind of focus on. It's probably the bigger challenge as lambing progresses, in some ways, because you know the, the, the bacteria and the environment tends to build up, and I suppose our attention to detail wanes a little bit as it goes on too. Just in terms of right, in terms of farmers using them, individual pens, separate and group pen, cleaning them and disinfecting practice on them. What did you see at farm level?
1: Well, we, we asked us as part of the National Farm Survey. It was uh, done in collaboration with them. It was a survey where uh, we uh, interviewed 185 Irish sheep farmers and got their management practice, what they carried out in the, the, the farm manager practices they carried out in their own farm. We're looking to identify the risks that they were from the practices they were using, so the risk to mortality in their farm. And as you asked with the individual lamb pens there, we are seen that uh, 88% of farmers, so a large percentage of farmers, are using these individual lamb pens. The important part we're looking at here was, while the, the lamb pen's great for mother lambs up and uh, early maternal behaviour and, and getting lambs, used to take the lambs, it's the hygiene that we're looking at, the hygiene around lamb pen, or around these lamb pens. So we are seen that while there's only 40% of them were cleaning and disinfecting these lamb pens, that would be been ideal to clean out the straw apply your white lime or hydrated lime or your uh, disinfectant and then a fresh bit of straw. That's your ideal. That's what you're, you're aiming for. And I suppose every step back from that then is a small bit less. So there's 88% of farmers were using these individual pens and only 40% were cleaning and disinfecting them. Another 26% or another 20%, sorry, were cleaning them only. 13% disinfecting them only. And that left 26% not clean nor disinfecting them, so whenever one you was take out of the pen, another one put in. there's no disinfecting, no cleaning done and uh, I suppose that's a, a big opportunity for infection to get into these young lambs, these lambs sometimes just dropped a few minutes, maybe an hour old and uh, that, that was a big opportunity that's a high risk or a big opportunity for this infection to get into at in your Look, it's an, ideal,
0: it's an ideal source for bacteria developing as always but the idea of that clean dry pen and the dry being the other key thing there as well like um between them it seems a basic thing, and I know it's a busy period where you might not always have time to do it. But um, getting back to that more ideal scenario is one great way of reducing the amount of infection, particularly as lameness uh, progresses.
1: That's it. I suppose uh, these shows about cleaning these individual pens. Uh, they'll be in for a day or two. They'll clean that. Cleaning rotten in individual pens a massive source of infection. Like the, that, cleaning breaking down, starting to rot. So, mm-hmm. cleaning these out. While a lot of farmers maybe go through your shake a bit of disinfectant but a clean bed of straw on, getting these lamb pens cleaned out and removing this cleaning from the yellow before uh, is very important. As you said, it's a busy time of the year. There's sometimes there'll be lambs everywhere, not much sleep and no help about, but clean these individual lamb pens, clean them out, let them dry for an hour or two, go back through disinfecting a clean bed of straw a clean base of straw again and uh, the few hours labor, a few hours work in the morning if you're saving lambs. Saving a lamb or two every day or a lamb or three or four lambs a week, you wouldn't be long paying for them a few hours in the morning.
0: Of course, practically doing it'll be a lot easier if they're cleaned there regularly, there'll be less to move every time. <laughs> so, the well. that's it, that's it. Uh, that's it. like, look, the other one, the other big one at this time mean, year, dealing with the navel iodine spray or whatever version of it you want to use, like as an open source for infection to get into a lamb. What practices were seen at farm level in that
1: sort of thing? So you started with the iodine there. It was fairly well, it's fairly well adapted from the farmers we surveyed. We've seen that uh, 12% didn't, there's only 12% of farmers weren't applying iodine to any of the navels and 9% doing some of the lambs. There's still 80% of farmers applying iodine to all the navels. So they're applying iodine to every lamb, uh, which would be fairly good. Like you're you're up at 90% if you take the farmers that are doing most of the lambs there. It's only, it's so, the biggest opportunity here for us, maybe not in getting them to apply it, farmers are doing that, it might be more so on, on what they're applying, so maybe a stronger iodine solution, going to your 10% or a stronger iodine solution, maybe adding in your methylated spirits or your alcohol to dry up them navels quicker, and maybe changing to a teat dip cup instead of the spray, so never you get a little teat dip cup that the dairy farmers use there for dipping the teats in, and that way you're getting the full navel covered, you you can slip the navel up into it, turn the teat tip right up into the base of the navel. That's the most important part. That you covered that base where the where the navel meets the, the stomach. And if, if farmers choose not to use a teat tip, they choose to stick with a the spray, then they're not just coloring the belly of the lamb, they're covering the whole navel, flipping it over, and getting the underside of the navel a good spray, covering the navel well. So, as well as, as just to render that or to to, to end that, it's not so much the amount of farmers that are doing it with fairly, fairly good uptake. Farmers are obviously aware of the importance of dipping these navels or spraying these navels. It's maybe the method of applicating the, the iodine or, or the type iodine, the, the strength of iodine used.
0: It's, it's making sure it's going on right. I suppose one thing with the dip is important, maybe change as well But look, it's doing the two things it's drying out the navel, it's killing any infection on it. And possibly in some cases, Duane, we need to go back a couple of hours later again and just reapply some iodine. you know?
1: That's it. If you have a, if you have a fairly good mother there and she's doing plenty of cleaning, plenty of licking of that lamb, you'll often cover that navel well. And next thing you come back an hour or two later, she's the lamb licking clean is up and the navel's completely cleaned again. She's cleaned it. So it's good, a good practice again to go back. I mean, it's not for all the length of time it's going to take to, as you're walking along, if you spot any of these navels that are clean, put another, another good squirt or another good application of I in on it and, uh, Cleaned up again it's, and that's, uh, that's that's going to be the main point of infection that, the mouth and the, and the navel the two main points of infection and it's only whenever you start noticing these watery mouths and these joint ills that, that you take note of that yep. maybe there's a small lack of that It's, it's a good chance a
0: to, It's a good chance to get the lambs up again and just check them. money and look it's not a massive investment that's the one thing about all of this the investments aren't huge maybe aside from the straw but in terms of the return you get from it it's small look that's, I suppose, the two aspects. So we have the hygiene, we have the iodine, the third key element at the colostrum, like giving them the energy to get going first, you know, the lax of of it as well, but particularly the antibody transfer at that stage, like that's still the vital element of proving RAM survival. Just from that survey again, doing like what practices did you see at farm level?
1: So again, as you said there, Kieran, we know that the uh, colostrum is vitally important for the Ig transfer and, for the past immunity, and while we, we looked at uh, the survey, we looked at how the how they were uh, given the colostrum, the source of the colostrum, and and also uh, what type of colostrum it was. So how they are given it and what type of colostrum it was. We've seen that uh, common practice that 73% of farmers were assisting the lambs to suck, 68% were using artificial colostrum, which isn't a problem, like we're not condoning but 10% of farmers were using this as the only source so if they owe no colostrum or they, they were down the uh, lamb-needed colostrum, 10% of them had artificial as their only source. Again, as I said, we're not running that down. It's just important to, uh, to check the IG source that's in that colostrum and the concentration of it. So you're looking for antibodies that are you antibodies in it. You're not looking for a supplement a, a colostrum supplement. You're looking for a colostrum substitute and that you're not with to let us these good advertising and these nice convenient products that you're looking what's in this classroom and again, if you have a yo if, if possible if there's any classroom this artificial classroom you're, you're pulling it with the yo's own colostrum that if you have yo lambs down at triplets there you're not giving your own classroom to two of them and running out then and giving a, a, a artificial to the other one that you're pulling the artificial in with the other two mixing and giving the three lambs some of her own and some of the artificial.
0: Look what it is doing is giving you that source of energy it's giving you the fluids but your your point on that triplet example is very valid to ensure that they get some of their own mother's classroom or maybe just even a freshly lamb single year or otherwise um yeah, at, yeah. from your own flock that has been on the same vaccination program. Yeah,
1: that's that's it. So as I said there about the pool classroom, it's again it's that they get some of their mothers are or it's good practice like uh that classroom if you have a young lambs down a single good bag of milk you're taking a sample off her you're you're taking your Ensure that our own lamb gets enough first. Then you're taking enough that there will be fine chilled in the fridge if you have a fridge in the, in the farm. That'll be fine chilled for up to 24 hours and can be used then, or or if if your lamb lambing early, the first few lambs if you can get, uh, cloths and get a liter off her, uh, your lambs with a single. There's great great chance there now with small Tupperware boxes or uh, I seen different ones there ice cube packs. Put them into the ice cube pack, freezing it then, and you can tear off five. Five, five of them might be your 250 mil, they might be 50 mil each ice cubes. Tear off your five. You're not thaw, thawing the whole pack of colostrum you're frozen. You can tear off enough for whatever many lambs you want. They're very easy to thaw then in them small ice cube packs as well. And uh, again, you mix this if the oat. this would be again adequate if, if you had a yo with not just enough, if you're mixing this frozen thawed colostrum with your own colostrum, or again, if you have to add some of the artificial that you're mixing their, their own or own or colostrum off another you in the shed. It, it, that's all in your own vaccination program, as you said. Uh And the other alternative Dwayne, that we see sometimes we see with the cow colostrum being used as well on some farms. We've seen forty four percent of farmers are using cow colostrum, frozen thawed cow colostrum, and uh forty four or and twenty nine percent using frozen thawed yolk colostrum. So will that be going to your local dairy farmer, uh, getting getting a, a cow? So we. Spoke about identifying cows that were calving maybe a week before your lambing or two weeks before you started lambing. Go into your dairy lab, identifying three or four cows. The same time you're the same time you're vaccinating your yos with your clostridial and uh, pastoral vaccine, with your heptovac or your uh Obavac vaccinations there, uh, that you can go and do them few cows with it. Then these cows, the colostrum, they're passing antibodies into the colostrum, that colostrum, the the milk's gonna carry the same antibodies as what what you're doing your own flock and, and and your own farm, so it's an option that if you have a local dairy farmer, you know you're going to be getting your classroom off them. That so you're doing a few cows that are due before you start lambing, and uh, you're taking the classroom off them cows. And Ideally, that classroom look, we
0: should be pulling from a number of cows. We are to give exactly. it exactly. It, it, it brings up the other question, doing like quantity of classroom given, it's often a challenge. And frequently, like we've done this of reducing mortality workshops and different things, you know, the 50 or 60 minutes a range. Maybe it's a sole feed, there's a wee bit of misconception out there how much a lamb actually requires in the first feed and even that first twenty four hours as well.
1: That's a that's so uh, a few questions. There's often questions asked about this: how much do actually need? So, a general rule of thumb: working off fifty mil per kilo. So, if you have your five kilo lamb, you're looking at fifty mil per, per kilo for the for each feed. So, you're two hundred fifty mil in the first feed, and that lamb will require four feeds over the first twenty four hours. So you're five kilo lambs looking for a litre of colostrum in the first 24 hours. So it might seem like a lot, but uh, over that 24-hour period, that lamb's using up a lot of that energy to get up and get going. So you're looking at your 50 mil per kilo. Again, taking that back, if it's a four kilo lamb, uh, you're back to 200 mil per dose or per feed, and a six kilo lamb getting 300 mil, and, and repeating this four times over the first 24 hours. And I suppose the main point in that is getting the first feed in within the first hour, so, one yeah. the first feed in the first hour, if at all possible. And uh, that's one of the most uh, absorbing um, antibodies.
0: I, I suppose the follow up question, when we've all got at events, is well, the O wouldn't have that much. I suppose a good indication maybe the nutrition wasn't right there or the condition that you was not right lambing either.
1: That's it. And and uh, I suppose that you can still, if you're starting to lamb down now, you notice that you still have time for the rest of them. Like, and an important point that we'll be reiterating or we'll be pointing out there is getting that soya, getting that bypass prog- protein in the late pregnancy. So, uh, again, back to that general rule of thumb of 100 grams per lamb carried. Uh, so, if you have a, your, your twin bearing and yours, you want 200 grams of soya per head per day in late pregnant for the last two weeks of pregnancy. So, if you're feeding your ration, uh, most of it will come from your ration. Again, that highlights the, part, or the uh, importance of. Identifying that you're feeding a good ration. Look at your list of ingredients again. You want soya up there near the top of that ration. You're looking at your. You're looking for 20% of the ration coming from soya. If not, the option of adding straight soya along with it, just to just to ensure that you're getting 200 per lamb carried. So again, 100 grams of soya for your single ewes carrying single lambs. 200 grams per head per day for your are carrying twins. Three hundred grams per head per day for those carrying triplets. It's, it's, it's the
0: three great measures of did you get feeding right during pregnancy is the condition of the old birth weight of the lamb and have an colostrum. But just look, speaking of birth weight and getting things right, dystocia, Dwayne, was one of the other main causes of mortality in them lambs, particularly at birth, but even a little bit of it subsequently, I suppose due to injuries. But getting birth weight right, like trying to reduce the level of dystocia, pick maybe as lamb progresses, what are the key couple of tips you can look at there what do we need to pay a bit more attention to
1: so again i suppose we seen that the stoke was a second main cause and that and another point another cause that we can definitely work on definitely there's grinding up there it's more that low hanging fruit that can be taken there and more more opportunity to reduce mortality uh i suppose starting off you spoke about pregnancy nutrition there uh I suppose the, the, the birth weight, the first part, we can't do much about it for this year, but again, we spoke about long-term management rather than the, rather than the Rams late pregnancy, identifying so to, to, to get this this ideal or this uh, adequate birth weight, getting this correct size per litter size, we, it can be preventable through good management practice and nutrition, by, but we have to know the expected lamb date and the litter size. To know the expected laminate, we have to rattle the rams. Again, in that survey we've done, we've seen there's 60% of farmers rattle the rams, which is fairly good and fairly acceptable. It was a change in their rattle, So many of them were 62% and only changed them for two or three weeks. So we weren't knowing exactly when the owe was lamin. And then on to, on to scanning, if we could get this known when the owe was right, and we could scan them then. So there's 70% of the farmers were are scanning the sheep. But it's all right scanning them. It's taking action after and grouping them according to litter size. So, yeah. like doing, like just
0: to tease that point out a little bit, the challenge really there is we all tend to feed for the first week of lambing. And you know, you might be slightly smaller at the very beginning, but as it progresses through it. But for flocks, there, like there could be lambing over three, four, five weeks, maybe particularly those that are going a bit earlier. The o's at the tail end of that lambing are on the high level of feed for a long time. So they could have consumed up to 30, 40, 50 kilos in some cases, depending on their lambing if they're not actually split out on the basis of laminate. And that's that's where the big challenge comes in.
1: That's it, that's it, Kieran. And uh, I suppose we've seen in that that, that there's uh, 60% of them are changing every two weeks and 17% every 21 days. Sorry. As you said that, they're telling that 30, 40, 50 kilos extra, you're moving away from your ideal birth weights, you're four kilo for triplets, five kilo for twins, and, and six kilo for singles again. Whenever you start going, going over them, likewise going below them. If you start going below them, you're going to have your problems, your hypothermia and starvation, these small lambs, uh, not being able to get up and suck. But what we've seen nothing right, was the, the lamb getting over it, getting too heavy. Not only them dying at birth, as you said earlier, they're, they're subsequently maybe getting broken ribs or given having trauma, they're having a ruptured liver and that. Living a few days, slow, and next thing, finding them dead in the pen.
0: So, uh and I suppose it also coincides with other issue for them particularly them later ones you know there might be less there the amount of time we spent on that lamb and shed is dropping off your attention to detail you're looking at lambs out in the field and other things might just be there you could miss them bigger lambs that need assistance towards the tail end of it as well apart from the fact that it's also a cost in the system
1: That's it that's, I mean constantly we're looking at soy at 500 tonne this year and, and cost rates going up every week and uh, if, we could, if we could know the expected lamb date and feeding according to that Knowing the expected litter size, there's 7% of the farmers in the, in the survey were scanning yields. It's all right scanning them. If, if we could uh, group them then according to litter size, uh, lots of, there's plenty of farmers that are doing this already, but some farmers will say that the, that the flock size is a problem. But there's different charts there. I know that Karen, and yourself, and our Chagas have a, a, a chart there looking at what should be given per litter size per week out from lambing. There's opportunities. Does even the flock size isn't that large? There's opportunities. Maybe leave singles off out and not pick them in yet and start feeding them. Your later lamb and twins could be grouped with your early lamb and singles, and your later lamb and triplets. Then they could be group, could be grouped with your later lamb and twins that that you're not 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 breaking the flock down in too many small groups, but still getting adequate feeding in late pregnancy for them.
0: Look, you have to make that work for your own system, depending on what the crop was like in a given year. But there is ways around it, like. Just to go back on one aspect of what you're doing, and I suppose there's something that probably cropped up from that sort of work. The levels of mortality we see at farm level, we all throw targets maybe 10% in various different figures. It's probably not something that we have a good enough grasp, but what is the actual mortality? Or doing the count from scanning to torn out? well, how many lambs did we scan? How many did we actually turn out? And where do we lose them in between? There's probably a case in some of these, I can draw you in this one a bit more, but... To make farmers better aware
1: of where are we losing lambs, before we can actually identify the issue and deal with it. That, that's our key, and that's another point that we asked in the survey. Definitely, we we want to identify the number of farmers that are recording lamb mortality, and we've done so. And we asked, we found out that thirty percent of thirty percent of farmers were recording lamb mortality, and uh, where they de- where the farmers that didn't record lamb mortality, they tended to underestimate it. They tended to be uh, thinking that lamb mortality on their own farm was lower than it actually was, it's very easy to forget. And I suppose we all want to forget about these, we get a, these dead lambs, we want to get forget about them as soon as possible. But there's opportunities there, and uh, another pres- another bit of presentation there, and work done sheep net. There was with the European farmers was. We seen a simple chart on the wall, whether it be a whiteboard or an A3 piece of paper, having the cause of death down one side, room to tick them down the other side. Whether that be beside wherever you keep the few dead lambs, like we all have our bag, or one for the dead lambs, like whether that be beside it, and we're not saying to send every lamb away for post mortem. You'll have a fair idea yourself of if, if you have one there with joint bill or one there with a watery mouth, or one there that the you lay on, or and so on. Having the causes down the left, take every lamb, just give them a fair uh, uh, estimate yourself of what caused it, and you'll soon soon start to identify. And it's only whenever you see it in the and the wall in front of you that you have five lambs die due to joint dill and six due to scour and eight due to watery mouth. It's then that you start seeing we'll I have a hygiene problem here there's something I need to change here and it's, it's by seeing it in front of you that that'll make it a lot clearer and I suppose sharpen us up a bit and identify these causes and I suppose take a, take action then or implement our better hygiene practices and implement our, our better management and I suppose we talked about earlier that attention to detail and that key Key, key attention to detail around that pregnancy. Look, as you said,
0: it's, it's the opportunity to
1: do something about them. When they look
0: at it, it's more obviously, but it, it's something we can attend to not pass any attention or want to get away from, but it's the opportunity to do something about them cases and improve the lot, because look at every lamb you save. It's worth a lot at the moment, so it is.
1: It is, it is. with The, the price of that sheep world at wide the moment. I suppose the time of this year study, we are looking at it, uh, we don't know, some of the calculation economics it in the calculation of the time and and one percent across the flocks in Ireland, if we could have all had a lower mortality by one percent, it was worth three million extra to the Irish sheep sector. And I suppose that opportunity is there by looking at these small small changes we could make and and looking at these small attention to applying these small bits of uh, management practice and that attention to detail that we talked about. We could all eat into that, and I mean, there's that's.
0: She said, "Look, it tends to be the same level of effort, and possibly it'll reduce the amount of effort that goes in, particularly if we can reduce that level of morbidity and laminitis by just doing some of the basics a little bit better."
1: That, that's it, and we spoke about them there. Like, if we can uh, increase the, I suppose, the late pregnancy nutrition, getting them strong, healthy lambs born, getting them up, having the enough colostrum to get to get mm-hmm. into the lamb, then not having to go make bottles, not having to go stomach chip lambs then not having to treat your navel ills and your joint ills out in the field. I mean, these small things takes a bit of time, maybe to, a bit of effort to get the late pregnancy attrition right, getting the colostrum quality right, and I suppose the hygiene then. It takes a bit of time at the start, but it's going to save a lot of time and a lot of money, I suppose. it's, it's the case of a stitch in time saves nine, you're implementing you're, you're these small changes early on to save yourself a lot of time and money treating these that, that your
0: prevention is better than than cure uh, on a lot I of the cases I think that sums it up exactly Dwayne. listen thank you very much for your time today Dwayne we'll certainly catch up with you again later on year on some other aspects of this
1: sorry job. thanks very much Cian thank
0: you we're going to finish things up at this point again as Dwayne highlighted there the need to address some of the issues of farm is often just tweaking some of the very basics in the areas of hygiene you know classroom management correct treatment of the navels and if a problem does occur this spring We encourage you to make use of the RVLs, make use of your local vet and identify the issue and try and address some of these on your own farm to improve lamb survival. Because ultimately it has a big impact on your productivity for the year. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any other updates from the Sheep Programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Joggle Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and listen in to any of our episodes.